Hello, everyone. My name is Kate March, and I'm the founder of March Art House, which is the creative studio slash production house responsible for this podcast. This podcast is called the We Are Women podcast. So welcome. On this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations I have with other women art makers from around the world across various mediums. The goal of this podcast is to elevate the voices of women artists and share the incredibly vast talent that exists beyond the strict boundaries of the art gallery walls or beyond the quote unquote art world. We will be talking about creative process, identity, the journey of being an artist, and lots more, which I know will be inspiring to all of our listeners and our wider creative community. So welcome. A little background about myself. I'm a performance artist, a painter, and a poet, and I'm based in the U.S. currently, although I've spent a lot of my professional career overseas in London and Hong Kong, and really just about everywhere around the world. Part of my aim with the March Art House production studio is bringing other women's art to the forefront and providing support in whatever ways I can. The first eight women featured in this series are selected artists who have been chosen for the March Art House annual virtual exhibition called We Are Women. This year's exhibition's theme is Rebirth, which I discuss with each of the artists in their interviews. Each week, beginning now in March, I'll release an episode coinciding with the artist featured on our Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at March Art House. So come follow us and it'll be there that you'll actually get to see the beautiful work of all these artists. You can also check out their work on our virtual exhibition, which begins March 1st, on our website, marcharthouse.com. I invite you to sit back and relax and enjoy these informal chats with these incredible artists from across the world. Today's episode, episode seven, is with Irene Fiordolino. She's originally from Italy, specifically Sicily, but she's been based in London for about four years now, and she's pursuing her PhD at Laban. She's a choreographer who really uses architecture and the concept of space as part of her practice process and also her final outputs. I look forward to sharing our conversation as I am also a dancer, choreographer, and performance artist. So this, this interview was near and dear to my heart. I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Um, so will you start, let's start off by having you introduce yourself, your name, where you're from, and where you're based. Sure. So my name is Irene, and I'm Italian, actually Sicilian. And uh, I live in uh, London at the moment. I've been here for the last four years now. Great. And who are you in one sentence? <laughs> okay. So I'd say <laughs> that I'm a woman mm -hmm. and I'm a citizen of the world. And uh, I'd also say that dancing, studying, making or talking about art is what I do, mm. but not who I am. Oh, I like that. I like that. So that's kind of, so when I ask what you do in one sentence, it's those things. Say it again. Sorry. So <laughs> when I ask the next question, what do you do in one sentence? It's the dancing, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'd say it's the dancing, is the creating artworks and uh, talking about art, writing about art. Uh, and yeah. That's mm -hmm. what I do. Yep. <laughs> and why do you do what you do? Okay, so that's interesting. I'd say that uh, mm, so because with my practice, I look in particular the connection between uh, choreography and architecture mm -hmm. that, of course, have the big notion of space and mm -hmm. embodiment uh, at their center. I think that why I do it is because I believe that uh, through art is possible to provoke a uh, kind of social change and mm -hmm. envision a world that is made of doors and windows mm -hmm. and uh, rather than walls where mm -hmm. everyone is free uh, to travel with ideas, the body and the imagination. That's beautiful. Love that. 
Love that. Um, okay. Let's get into your creative practice a little bit. So um, for people that don't know your work yet for our listeners, will you describe, you, I know you just mentioned it. Will you describe the medium you work with um, most primarily and kind of t- talk us through how you arrived at this medium? Have you always done this particular um, work? If not, how did you arrive there? And are there other forms of art that you've played with along the way or hope to play with? Yeah, so I guess my main medium is uh, definitely dance, contemporary mm-hmm. dance. Uh, but uh, since uh, about three years ago, I started moving more and more towards a kind of interdisciplinary practice where I combine choreographic design with set design. Mm. And I like this idea that I can't say which one was born first mm. when I create a piece and mm-hmm. it's uh, the movement uh, and the the design of the space kind mm-hmm. of grow up together and uh, yeah so they really merge into a kind of unitary practice and then final cool, work, say. cool. so have you always um and it's hard to say which one was born first <laughs> the chicken or the <laughs> egg um but did you um like with in terms of the architecture and set design have you always worked like worked with material to create the kind of space you want or is that like you carve out the space you've always envisioned with your choreography or has that become something different for you and again it's hard to say yeah <laughs> really like creating a dialogue between the two mm. so um, I've always been interested in the kind of uh, invisible space that you mm. create through movement in the gotcha. choreographic crafting. But then at the same time, I started being more and more into like the materiality of yeah. space. And that's when I started exploring real sets. So I, I work with uh, like huge mm. <laughs> structures of wood or of cardboard or sometimes instead really empty structures mm. where just like a boundary is defined, but they give you this sense of tangible and intangible space. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, I get it now. Um, so on that same kind of flow, would you tell us about your creative process? Um, I know it's probably different for each piece you're doing, but just walk me through, you can even pick one project if you want, but just how do you start kind of where, do, where does the inspiration come from? Is it like just you suddenly have an epiphany or you see a film or a photograph? Like how does it all start? Walk us through what happens in the middle of your process a little bit, even if it's a little messy or a lot messy. <laughs> and kind of how do you arrive at what you think is an ending? So just we'll, we'll talk through it. Yeah, so I guess as you said, it's, messy and yeah. <laughs> um, I don't particularly know when each creative protest, process starts mm-hmm. and when it finishes it's like I'm always thinking about having these bubbles around me like mm-hmm. uh, kind of invisible bubbles where I put m- mental notes and uh, then mm-hmm. it can be a thought it can be an image it can be you know an aspect uh, even just an aesthetic aspect mm. of something I saw they really you know, cut, caught my attention and yep. I'm like, ah, I'd like to use that. And then sometimes they, it's like some of these bubble kind of yeah. come together. And then I just take the first idea uh, that it can be, uh, for example, for Trinacria, uh, mm-hmm. it was the, the shape of the triangle, something yep. so elemental as yep. that. And the idea, so I actually had the idea that I like, the shape of the triangle I wanted mm-hmm. to work with that in terms of perspectives and mm-hmm. uh, but then uh, it kind of fitted this idea that I wanted to work on my identity as a Sicilian and so yeah. it has the shape of a triangle so that's so fun yeah this idea kind of come together mm-hmm. and I just started working and also it's interesting because generally the idea that I have at the beginning they are never in the final piece right right and it's the, all the ideas that come after having started working that are the ones that I pick. Yep. And when you're working on, so like you have this idea, it's funny because a lot of the other creative process um, discussions I've had are a little bit more abstract for me because it's not my medium, but I'm able to 
conversed in this medium very, <laughs> very differently. So when you have this idea, do you immediately, um, or not immediately, but when you feel like you have an impulse to work on it and to dig deeper into it, are you going into movement and dance right away? Uh, is it kind of, are you working with your own body first or simultaneously kind of choreographing with other bodies is improvised. Like how does improvisation fit into your process? Um, and when do you start to have, I guess the thoughts about space are already there, um, implicitly. How do you know when you want to create a set or not? I'm, does that come in? You know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> and yeah, it's the juicy part of the yeah. process. Okay? <laughs> so, um, as you say, there is a lot of stuff that is already there, like mm-hmm. uh, kind of recurring teams or recurring tasks. And yes, I mainly work with improvisation, especially in the creative process. And mm-hmm. I, even when I compose, I kind of like to remind myself that the stricter the strictest composition is still an improvisation at some mm-hmm. level. Yes. So for me, this idea of always keeping, you know, a lively uh, engagement within any form of structure mm-hmm. is super important. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say mm, things kind of come together. Like um, often, yeah, as I said, there are these bubbles. So maybe mm-hmm. I had the idea of the triangles and the idea of the pictures, but then at the same time, I wasn't, moving around and Mm -hmm. exploring with my body those themes and then some elements that I found in my studio practice so Mm -hmm. some kind of uh, uh, dynamics or also some kind of like uh, shapes that I was creating with the body resonated in particular with Mm. this work on the triangles and the expressivity of the movement kind of resonated with the identity uh, discourse and so it kind of came together but I'd say that, yes, my body is always the source mm-hmm. of, of the material and of the questions. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think and I question what I want to approach mm-hmm. through movement. Yes. Yep. So. I know, which is a hard thing to, uh, when you're not a dancer, I think it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around sometimes. It's yes. like, no, I literally use my body to work through things. <laughs> exactly. It's this idea. I mean, I often speaking about it with people, I'm like, uh, you know, when you think by speaking, mm-hmm. that is actually much more common. Like a lot of people realize what they think by speaking. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's a kind of realizing what you are processing yeah. by moving yeah. through space. That's a good way to, that's a good way to put it. Um, and I'm just curious because my, you know, with my own practice, I tend to like when I'm working through movement, especially now, I, I guess, I guess always, but especially during the pandemic, I've, I really film myself. Like every time I'm improvising, every time I'm doing a movement exploration, it's like all documented. And then I, even if I'm looking at the film um, quickly, like if I fast forward through it, it's like there's movements that either repeat or just emerge as like this really strong visual or resonate deeply. That's like how I pick pick movement out and then keep working on it as like this iterative mm-hmm. process. Is it, how does that work for you? Like, how do you know, is it more, is it the repetition, things that keep continuously emerging in the movement or um, is it an instinct that it's like, okay, this movement is really, we're going somewhere with this. I'm going to keep going with this. How, like, how does those, how do those patterns emerge for you? So a lot of what you were saying about repetition, absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. And actually it's very interesting because there was a phase some years ago in which I hated uh, the material that I repeated. Like I found it uh, (laughs) I was so scared of it. I felt like I was going into a kind of, habitual patterns yeah. without realizing it yeah and then I kind of shifted my attention and mm-hmm. I thought what if actually like I dig into those mm-hmm. material like into that material that I continuously repeat what yeah. if, again I bring some liveliness inside those elements that which feel kind of you know uh yeah just sterile repetition yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. so yes and now it became kind of something like mm-hmm. looking into there where I kind of just keep going on yeah. and, on. and 
and a lot as you said it's interesting like this uh, video mm. documentation of the process also because i love video editing it's yeah. like one of my yeah passions and i do it a lot uh, especially lately that i've been working more mm. and more with dance films yeah um so when i edit i often see something mm-hmm. that uh, you know maybe just pass through while yeah. i'm actually doing it and it's a great source of like yeah inspiration by yeah <laughs> i know i know it's i like i i'm the same i've really enjoyed film editing and dance on film work because you you get to see it, your movement in, or other people's movement in a different perspective and it's yeah. funny how oftentimes like the most simple or basic like transition becomes this really beautiful captivating moment and you're like oh my god like that's all that's all i need <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> and, and this is and this uh, idea of what we dis- generally discard mm. is, for me so important like again i was discarding like what i was just repeating and then mm-hmm. you just discard stuff that didn't feel right right and maybe it's what actually you know has most potential yeah yeah oh that's oh, yeah that's really interesting I, I don't think about that too often it's like the stuff that i'm all the other things i think are noise could be could be actually something worth digging into a little bit more mm-hmm. um how frequently do you get a chance to or actually, actually, like how much time do you spend in the studio versus time you're actually editing or, or working in the architectural kind of thought process of things? Like, is it, is it primarily movement-based and then, or, and also just like the time frame? how long for you is your process? Like, you know, with, with some mm. of the painters I've talked to, it's, it's like anywhere from a couple of days to, to months to years, depending on how big the painting I guess um, it depends on the project a yeah, lot. Yeah. Like I have a solo that I started in 2017 mm-hmm. and I keep working on and it's like, it's the solo that I is struggling the most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it started, it was a 10 minutes little thing and now it became a 35 minutes, 40 minutes piece that, where there is also the spoken word and it's mm. growing. So this project for me, it's like a kind of, real long run yeah and then there have been like much shorter periods in which i knew exactly what i mm-hmm. like i had that not knew exactly not again it was <laughs> <laughs> but maybe i knew i had those two three weeks of very intensive right. work yeah and uh, but then i mean i wonder those three weeks were actually the consequence of a lot of thinking mm-hmm. so it, it's hard to it's hard to say yeah it's really a lot of studio practice like i guess it's yeah it's the primary thing majority yeah yeah it's the majority but then of it depends on the um, on the project like for example for this last project i did we mm-hmm. built a cardboard set that took one month mm-hmm. every day just constructing it right so yeah so it definitely depends on the project mm-hmm. and um would you say that so during the pandemic you've had access to studio space but it's obviously been challenging and i i it's interesting speaking with mostly i'd say people that yeah aren't dealing at least in this group of artists aren't dealing with space is such a big thing or a live audience or an audience um in the flesh is such a major deal <laughs> but yeah how has it affected your process and how you think about audience so yeah the process was affected but what was really affected even Mm. before that was the practice Mm -hmm. like uh, even what i you know the way you you kind of uh train your body or Mm. like keep the body moving and engaged for example i started running at one point (laughs) right (laughs) every day and uh, for me it was incredible because running became my practice and i was like maybe having the same kind of thought process that i had in a dance class like uh, about the rhythm and (laughs) constancy and the flow and and you know i was going through everything that i did but that's so 
just to interrupt you, that's so funny because that was the exact response my body had. And I'm not a runner. Like I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I like never run unless there's like a major thing happening, which happened to be the pandemic. And I got really into the rhythm of it. And like how, if I had different soundtracks, like the way I was running and I'm like, this is so funny because I hate, I usually hate running. I I became, became such a ritual. Yes, exactly. So definitely then it made me think, uh, just the fact of running made me think about space in a different way. <laughs> yeah. That reflected on a lot of stuff I started thinking about. The tricky bit is definitely the relation to the audience. Mm, and mm. Um, right now I'm working at a project with uh, one of my uh, lifelong collaborators. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, Virna, she's an architect. Um, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are developing a project that is about uh, the hybrid habitat, mm. and uh, we kind of want to create a space where um, there is both a kind of life mm. uh, event, a live sorry, life, a live event, but at the same time uh, an online event, mm. also live, and to kind of play with different audiences and observe the interrelation between. Yeah. The- so um, I guess I don't like to say I I just want to abandon the right. idea of live uh, and physical live because right. life can be also of right. course spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to abandon that, but of course it makes me question how we can somehow expand to yeah. new audiences and yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because for me, it's like, there's been a lot of, most of my work is immersive and it's very close proximity to the audience. And, um, a lot of people working in that have really tapped into the challenge of the pandemic with live audiences and worked more virtually and are excited about the use of technology, but it's just like, not my jam. (laughs) And I've been doing a lot of, um, improvisation workshops with people online. And um, that's been really great as a like community and a, a connection and ritual each week. And I, I'm like, you know, guys, like I can find us opportunities to, to perform for a virtual audience, but I just, it's like really tough for me to, to get the same energy and present. Like I feed so much off of a live audience. So it's, it's been very halting for me um, in that sense, but it's, it's true. Like you do think about the, yes, the, the benefits and yes. the way you can actually use not only um you know virtual spaces and platforms but also film with dance yes yeah but that's why for us with Virna in particular for us it was so important to understand what's what kind of relation you can create between these two also mm. because again we we kind of started exploring this idea of human body and how the human body now incorporates yeah. that the device right that's true and so i mean what at the end is a live physical audience mm. like it makes you question kind that's of true. everything because nowadays we're all like you know with a kind of yeah <laughs> prosthesis, like yeah. mutual prosthesis anyways so maybe yeah. it's something worth looking into yeah definitely evolving definitions of physical live audience mm. Um, and for you, for your studio practice, I know, uh, you know, for me, obviously music and sound is an, is an important aspect of things when you're a dancer and choreographer. Um, how does it work for you? Do you have pieces of music that you know you want to work with and that's how you start moving or do you move in silence or what, like, what's your sound score when you, when you start your studio practice for a project? So I quite like to work in silence mm. unless I'm I'm very clear that day on mm. what I'm working on. And yeah. so I actually create a dialogue with the music. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel that the music is so powerful. Yes. All the choices for me. Yeah, that's true. It's like completely overwhelmed. That's true. <laughs> so if I know what I'm working yeah. Then actually, music can kind of announce the process. Yeah, yeah. If I am still in a very like explorative phase, that makes then sense. I often decide to use silence because yeah. I listen more to the music of the body. Yes, like, yep. Yeah. It's funny because I think a lot of again people that don't dance is not a medium for them or they're not choreographers. 
I think they tend, well, a lot of commercial work tends to be, okay, here's a piece of music, create movement with your body to this piece of music. But yeah. actually when you're using dance really as a, a different kind of art form that to communicate things, you're really starting in silence and you're just like, okay, what rhythms are my body? What's the body interested in, in producing? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny because even, even if you think that the music isn't going to affect your movement and you're like, oh, I'm just exploring, it's neutral. Like, I know it's like, no, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to yeah, respond to the music and that's yeah. just how it is. But then sometimes it's nice when the opposite happens that you are so clear yeah. in your body that then actually you can kind of counterpoint the music or That's true. play kind of, it becomes a real musical dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue. The and the music, so yeah. That's true, that's true. Do you often work with, um, like, well, your mom's a composer, so that's super convenient. <laughs> 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 so do you, do, you have, do you end up having a lot of original music for your work? Uh, yeah, lately. So, um, for example, I've been collaborating with Peter Nagel, who is mm -hmm. a composer at uh, Laban, so cool. my and we have been collaborating quite a bit. And then, yeah, my mom, my partner, That's so nice, the sound designer. <laughs> oh, nice. So he like uh, it doesn't necessarily always compose new music, although he does a little, but mm -hmm. it definitely creates an original soundscape for. Oh, that's the world. cool. So, yeah, but sometimes, you know, like sometimes I just instead feel very attached to what exists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have options for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for your for your work. So it tends to be like when you're using when, for instance, you created this cardboard set. Is it in, is it a piece that people like the audience in your mind, at least can is it almost like a performative installation piece or is it still on a stage? Is it site specific? I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. For yeah. Others. So this cardboard set was for the dance film. For yeah, the dance okay. Film. Okay. He had a very temporary life. It was very upsetting to destroy it all at the end of the <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> After a month working, it took us Oh my day. God. Wow. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of interesting too. Yeah, it was the uh, destruction yeah, of something. Heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't live it up. Uh, so, yeah, in that case, it was uh, for the film. But, um, for example, Trinacria is an installation. And yeah. so, actually, there is, together with the um, installation and the performance, there is a score mm -hmm. that is given to the audience for all those times in which I'm not performing. Yeah. So, the, the space is always kind of. Uh, a place to be inhabited and not just uh, you know nice. something to see but something to actually walk through yeah so Trinaki is definitely an installation uh, another project that is being suspended and still work in progress until the mix allows work again in it it's uh, it's this giant uh, wooden structure that mm -hmm. is for a stage piece mm -hmm. But then, for example, another project that I did uh, for my MFA in choreography mm -hmm. basically had 135 uh, Lego bricks, mm -hmm. uh, giant Lego oh, bricks. Nice. And <laughs> it started as a 20 minutes uh, a stage performance. And mm -hmm. then after the first 20 minutes, the audience was invited to go in and interact with the same oh, bricks cool. as an installation and watch a film. So it kind of transformed like and a hybrid looking how to you know play and interact with the bricks mm. the audience could be the same and actually the audience came up with stuff that I thought <laughs> about like building this super up huge tower and that's, going under and because yeah it was that's fun. so oh that's really fun okay cool so it's really just depends on the project how how the audience and how it comes yeah. to life yeah that makes sense um what's your favorite part of the process for you personally so I think it's the moment in which you feel that everything just falls into place. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you're not even anymore doing anything, but yeah. you just watch the project becoming in front of you. That's yeah. the best moment. That's, and the it's that's great. You get rid of the unnecessary mm. and what is essentially 
for the project just stays by itself somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And it's it's funny how in the creative process, you're like, I'm never going to get there. Well, at least for me, I'm like, it's so messy that I'm like, when is this going to fall into place? <laughs> and then it does, right? And then it does. And it's like, oh, all right, perfect. And you can never really predict when that's going to happen, how that's going to happen. It just really oh. like takes on its own life. Yeah. And there is a lot of frustration in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Worth mentioning. <laughs> definitely worth mentioning. Um, what's the most challenging part of the process for you? <laughs> and I think, again, it relates to this, is trusting. Mm. It's the moment in which you feel that you're just going deeper and deeper but there's no coming out yes. and then you just need to really trust that also this time somehow it's gonna work out yes yes <laughs> you don't want like there i sometimes i really feel like screaming i'm like no i'm lost yeah and then maybe the day after even You're right everything just works and right it's so funny how that that frustration is just such a part <laughs> of it and like you said yeah it's so hard to trust the people always artists or our professors or mentors are, are always telling us oh just trust the process and it's like can i is it possible every time you know <laughs> every you time question everything yeah yeah that's always hard um another question i've been asking everyone um does your identity as a woman affect your artistic process and if so how how do you think it does for you I think that, I mean, of course it does because yeah. I'm really probably a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I am also very much beautifully aware that my body is the body of a woman. And mm. I say before, my body is my source and mm. my constant, you know, it's my media of expression, yes. my main expression. And it's also the source of all the ideas that I have. Yeah. So definitely in this way, it's absolutely fundamental. But yeah. at the same time, like, I like to kind of, one aspect that I kind of acknowledge at, mm. across all my works is that there is not a stereotype of right. like what this woman's body should be. Mm -hmm. And I like to, you know, kind of announce this freedom. Like mm. I can have a nice fifties uh, dress. I can have heels. I can be naked. Yeah. I can have very like I don't know sport uh, right. t-shirt and track pants, and right. still I don't feel undermined in mm. my ease with my body and mm -hmm. being a woman in this way. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, people have definitely all the other artists have answered this differently, and I think when your body is the medium, it's really hard to disconnect from a gendered body or at least yeah. it is for me. And um, because you're literally working with the mechanics of, of that yes, body. Exactly. And um, yeah. And there's, and I think there's tends to be some pressure also, like you said, I mean, you're visually looking at a body when you're presenting your work. Um, yes. The audience is looking at either at your body or the bodies of others that you've put into a space so it's such a delicate thing to, you just have to be so aware of how that's being presented, how it's being seen and taken in. Like you said, I could be, a, you could show a range of identity and, you know, different formats of a gender or, you know, exactly. it's such yes. a, it's, it's always a interesting thing to play with, especially in the performing arts, I think. And it's also nice to kind of, it becomes kind of a statement to, I mm -hmm. guess, uh, but not only about like, again, it's uh, a maybe assuming a label to just mm. go beyond it. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that I wear a dress right. means that I can wear a dress and yeah. be feminine in that way. But my femininity doesn't stop with that. Right, dress. right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to say it. Um, what are some of the I'm interested in this for sure. What are some of the artists that you really look up to or who've inspired your your work through over the years and people you've come across recently? So, I mean, if you ask me, for example, about choreographers, I always look up at, I might sound a bit old fashioned, but always Trisha Brown <laughs> and Antares, the cares maker, they are yes. my <laughs> finding point. But because what I really love is that they have broken so many rules, but mm. never 
like betraying their roots. Mm. They didn't try to be original or unconventional for the sake of being it right. at all. Right. They actually kind of, you know, took every all their luggage mm-hmm. and made something new out of it. And yes. this is so important. Yep. Yep. Mm. That's great. And it's, it's nice because they've also, I mean, working with space and choreography and bodies in space, but also with film, the, yes. you know, the dance on film aspect is so, so yes, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I just, yeah, they, they kind of, I don't know, spun everywhere. No, yeah, no. Their work is just so influential at so many levels. Yeah. Uh, and they are so different. And yeah, they are different. definitely different. Yeah. So they, they always inspire me. Like if I feel a bit, uh, I don't know. That's sad. true. Yeah. <laughs> Some <laughs> <I'm>, motivation. <laughs> um, are there any other art forms that, I mean, obviously architecture, are there any architects that you, you look to in the same way um, or set designers or visual arts, visual artists that uh, resonate with you deeply? Yeah. I mean, for example, I love some architects like Tadavando and I don't know. Yeah. It, it really depends uh, yeah. from the face. I mean, mm, sometimes yeah. I feel very <laughs> Bauhaus and sometimes <laughs> I feel a bit more liberty. (laughs) That's so funny. That's yeah. yeah, It's nice to have yeah the other art forms influencing. uh, Yeah. Yeah. What's been one of the most important moments for you uh, professionally, and or in your just creative journey in general? I know that you're pursuing your PhD at the moment. This is definitely a big uh, yeah (laughs) a big step, and also it was. uh, for me, it was very important, uh, like uh, making the actual choice of mm. starting the PhD. So the moment in which I decided I'm gonna start it, because it was a bit like acknowledging that studying, researching can go together, be with be creative, mm-hmm. and you don't always have to separate. But actually, they can really merge mm-hmm. into a greater journey, artistic journey. Yeah. So this for me was definitely a big, you know, yeah. And then I guess uh, going to India, that it was kind of just before I took this choice. Mm. I spent six months there. Oh, wow. And I met so many brave dancers. Yeah. It really helped me realize that dance can be approached in so many different ways. And mm-hmm. it's really not just how we are taught mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how we are used to, you know, train and everything. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. it's it's funny. I think... Um, even the word dance holds so much expectation and mm-hmm. kind of background, you know, implied things into that word that I like to say movement or movement expression, because it's like even the smallest like ritual with the body could be a dance for one culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, yeah, I've always had a difficult time even you with my own I, work. Yeah. I think a choreography is more in the way you look at movement yeah in the making of the movement that's true like that's you true can look really a daily walking yes like the brown again and yep. see it choreographically and then that's where you do the yes. kick it doesn't have to be you know the yes. fence with your legs 300 i know i know i've always and it's funny how i think if you're if you've trained in dance you tend to always like that's always lingering in your, at least for me i'm always like oh is this dance like it, it, it's just like i'm always questioning oh it, am i real is this what i'm doing is dance what i'm doing is am i a choreographer but it's like no there's a broader definition um of what that actually means did you stay in one particular part of india or did you travel around i traveled but mostly i was in bangalore okay uh, cool so yeah, there is this choreographic center play practice and I'm a good friend. Uh, I became a good friend of the director. Um, oh, wow. So Abilash the Lingappa, I suggest everyone to look because he does very nice uh, residency programs there. Oh my gosh. And that- there are these two dancers who are amazing, uh, Ronita and Prashant that I brought to London for oh, a so MFA cool. project and we worked a lot together. And they taught me so much without, you know, without that kind of, uh, I don't know what to say, but the feeling that they were teaching you. Right, right. 
behaving like you know with a, a step higher than you yeah. like they're yeah. sharing yeah. the studio and they were so yeah no it was oh, an that's, experience. that's beautiful oh my gosh I didn't realize you were there for six months that's yeah. so nice <laughs> <It's a lot>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, is a lot um was it were you there when you realized you wanted to pursue the PhD or did you come back and like have some reflection time uh, so I was there my second year of MFA so mm-hmm. my all my research for my MFA that yep. again I did with uh, this architect Birna yeah uh, so we we were all working at distance it was such a crazy period <laughs> <laughs> we created this work and you kind of form the basis of mm-hmm. what is then like my topic of research right it was right. actually the first time i really like decided that i wanted to look, look so specifically at choreography and architecture yeah so no i didn't take the choice there but that was the moment it was kind of the seeds that were being yeah. planted yeah that makes sense um oh that's that's really cool i didn't realize that um we have a few more questions if you have the time. Yeah. Um, so this year's theme for the We Are Women exhibition is rebirth. And I know you ha- like, I'm so curious, I've, I've read it, but curious to hear you actually speak about what that word means in your process in the work that will be uh, showing on the exhibition online um, and just, yeah, creatively and personally what that word rebirth means to you. So, I think that for me, like the best way to to describe it is really thinking about a phoenix. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know yeah, that's it, like my favorite image of the world. Amazing, no? And <laughs> again, it kind of connects to what I was saying before about uh, Trisha Brown and Anteresta maker about mm-hmm. the fact that you can always re-question and reinvent yourself and your practice, but mm-hmm. without necessarily having to betray on where you are coming from, your roots. Mm-hmm. And... and Again, with the phoenix, I think about the ashes as being memory, both mm. individual and cultural. Yeah. And the fact that, like, it's from those ashes that you reinvent yourself again and again. Mm. So there is not a, a kind of oblivion of what you were before, but actually you're taking that in consideration mm-hmm. and you are reinvesting all of that in something yeah. new. And this for me is relevant, uh, I mean, a lot in the context of... Uh, the lockdown and right. everything that is happening, how you reinvent your practice, find mm-hmm. new audiences, new media, new new ideas, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it was already very relevant before, and in particular for um, Trinacria. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, for me, it's a lot about being Sicilian. It kind of became a metaphor of having very strong cultural heritage, but at the same time, having this kind of uh, embedded desire of traveling and going away and meeting new people and mm. you know it, it doesn't mean that I become less Sicilian but I kind of it's this Sicilianity that makes yeah. me more yeah. and transform uh, myself and expand the perspective on who I am and on my culture that so, makes sense that makes sense yeah that's really that's really great. That's exactly how I, I envision it or think about it as well. The the Phoenix imagery makes a lot of sense to me. And it's how every project starts for me. It's how um, my yeah identity as an artist, when I evolve, that's how I frame things. Um, yeah. yeah. And also this idea that I, I hate, <laughs> I hate circle. <laughs> I, I don't like the idea of the circle in sense of like everything just backs comes back right. where it was. but right. I always like to speak about spiral instead mm. and the idea that yes there is a kind of recurrence but uh, it's uh, leading you somewhere else yeah it's either focusing you in yeah or, or expanding but oh, there like is that. a kind of uh, direction outside the circle itself yeah oh I really like that <laughs> that's a nice that's a nice metaphor um all right, let's just end with some more personal, fun questions uh, to wrap things up. Uh, what are you reading right now? I'm sure it's a lot of very dense stuff, but anything fun too? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of academic <laughs> stuff. <but I'm> <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and actually, I'm rereading in this very lockdown mood, Pride yeah. and Prejudice. Oh, nice. I don't know which time. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, always. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spiral back into pride and pressure. Exactly. <laughs> um, are you listening to anything right now, either podcasts or music? Uh, I've been listening to a very, very stuff. Uh, today, Nicholas Jar again, <laughs> flashback yeah. in India. Yeah. Um, but it depends. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Eclectic, I'm sure. <laughs> different yeah. different things different days um are you watching anything right now so i started yesterday uh the queen's gambit <laughs> oh oh great it's so good <laughs> yeah so i think i'm gonna finish very soon <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know it's always like kind of irritating when a show's so good that you can't stop it and then you finish so quickly and you're like oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed that show um What's your favorite food? Ice cream. Ooh, what flavor? Uh, okay, they don't exist anywhere else than Palermo, but yeah. they are watermelon Ooh. and jelly that doesn't have any translation that I know. <laughs> it's a kind of uh, red, it's a kind of red berry, but it's Ooh. not the red berries that we all know. Oh so, my yeah, gosh. That's, yeah, I mean... A t- a, you know, Italy does ice cream the right way. Yes. <laughs> well, food in general, <laughs> the right way. <laughs> um, what's your drink of choice? Uh, drink, uh, I'd say Prosecco. Ooh. <laughs> Very fancy. <Yum. laughs> um, favorite color? Yellow, always, forever oh. yellow. <laughs> yellow, like a, what kind, bright yellow or uh, mustard yellow? Bright Bright yellow, but not uh, fluo, not fluorescent yellow, like got the it, cold one. Warm, bright, sun. Sunshine. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite place? The sea. Ooh, perfect yeah, answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just to, to kind of close out, can you give us your uh, Instagram handle and your website for people that are interested in knowing more about your work? Sure. So Instagram is uh, Irene uh, underscore FDL. And also I have this other Instagram account together with Pirna. Together we are called Void. Mm. So it's Void. Uh, you find us and we're, yeah, we are kind of posting a lot about this new project. Oh, so cool. You might want but, to um, Void, V-O-I-D. Yes. Oh, I like yeah. that. That's a uh, really useful handle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then she your especially, she's the real social media one. Oh, and gotcha. She's very active and she does a great job with that. Oh, uh, that's, that's useful. Yes. Because I'm not so good. <laughs> no. I'm like, we could have a really long conversation about how both of us really don't like social media. Oh, it's just the pressure that they yeah. do on poor artists already pressured. I know, I know, it's true. I think that's exactly the pinpoint for me too. It's it's this the pressure and expectation when you're already going through a lot to try to be an artist um, and get your yes. voice heard. Yeah, I understand it's good because it, yeah. it allows you to connect and also to expand and actually reach people in a greater yeah. way. Yeah. But it is a lot of work and a lot of pressure. So I'm glad that the Void account That's is nice. <laughs> very well. I know. Like it's, it's a different, it's a, like a different job, actually. You like, you just yeah. have to get into a different, wearing a different hat when you do it. Um, yes, definitely Void is better than my account, but I put some stuff on my personal one too. That's, that's and great. then I have a personal website. Mm-hmm. Um, how to find me? Shall I read you the... Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so it's um, Irene Fiordilino. Yeah, spell, spell that for everyone. So, I-R-E-N-E F-I-O-R-D-I-L-I-N-O dot website dot com Perfect. Uh, I don't know if I need to give you also the slash, maybe, but anyway, oh. slash choreographer dash about. 
Okay, perfect. I'll put that all in the episodes uh, information so people have that to, cool. to link, link to quickly. Uh, and then just finally, any last words before we close out today? Well, I'd say to everyone, don't get discouraged, but actually, you know, use this kind of big condition of waiting mm. explore new ideas and take the time to take risks that we generally don't take enough yeah so turn it to your advantage and just go there where you want to go and yeah. you generally thought you couldn't that's great great advice for sure and a good reminder especially for artists and creatives i think at this point but it was so wonderful speaking with you today. I'm so glad to, to chat with you and hear about your process. We could talk for hours. <laughs> no, thank sure. you so much. I love the questions as well. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. And I will be talking to you in the group very shortly. And uh, I can't wait for the next time we chat. Yeah, definitely. All right. I will talk thank to you, you soon. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And that's it for episode seven of the We Are Women podcast. I can't believe we've gotten this far already. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Irene and myself. Um, you know, obviously it was really interesting for me as a dancer and choreographer to share and discuss some of the, the challenges we've both found in the pandemic, but also to bounce ideas off of one another in terms of process during this time and how to reconceive of having an audience and what that really means um, in the, the digital age. I hope that was really useful for you and offered some insights to those of you who don't use dance as your primary form or choreography um, and are involved in other art practices or are just interested in art in general. Please check out her social media and her website for more information. And also you can check out her dance film, uh, the installation that she's put on a film that is on our virtual exhibition at marcharthouse.com and also on our Instagram at marcharthouse. There's some photographs there for you to take a peek at sharing her work. As always, if you have any feedback or questions or comments or want to be a part of this podcast, you can email me at info at marcharthouse.com. I hope you have a really lovely day filled with creativity and inspiration, and I look forward to next week. Bye for now.